Restored Gospel Podcast presents Stories of the Saints. From time to time, we will be releasing special episodes that will stand apart from our normal programs. These will be entitled Stories of the Saints. They are simply the stories of real-life experiences of God working in the lives of His children. I absolutely love talking with people um, out of all of the things we see around us that are temporary. When I see people, I'm reminded that I am seeing the eternal, the handiwork of our Creator. And I'm fascinated by seeing life and God through other people's eyes. Today's guest is Adam Gard, one of my closest friends. Adam is an artist. He's had illustrations published. He's done beautiful stained glass creations. But I love the way he sees experiences and unfolds a story. He brings his artistic persona into his conversation and does a pretty good job of painting word pictures. This is a little longer episode, but in the latter half, we get into talking about charity and an experience that he had where God showed him a little bit about what his love is really about. I find this uh, extremely important and hope that it will be a blessing to you all. And if you make it that far at the end, we have our very first Restored Gospel Podcast outtake which involves one of my favorite Adam stories. Adam, welcome. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Thank you, Mike. Introduce yourself. <laughs> um, Adam and I have known each other for what, 25 years, roughly 24 years. Yeah. So Adam, um, Adam and I spent an entire year together traveling around this country with an organization called the Youth Missionary Corps. And back in 1994, I left my home in Ohio and came to Independence. And Adam, where were you living at the time? Boy, uh, it was either here in Independence or, I don't know, I might have been in Springfield at the Springfield. time. I was kind of yeah, in between. Okay. Um, so so Adam, I, I'm sorry. No, it, was, it was here because I was part of the uh, the Book of Mormon Foundation. That's right. That's right. So You did an internship. That summer, right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So I moved out here uh, or came out here. Adam was already here, but basically neither one of us knew each other. But we both had signed up for this um, for an organization at the time called the Youth Missionary Corps. And um, what it was was, uh, you know, two, uh, two youth missionaries would go out. We'd go to different branches anyway around the country and spend some time uh, sharing our testimonies of Jesus and uh, Adam and I spent a year together, so we're talking 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, two strangers got to know each other pretty good, <laughs> and many hijinks ensued. Yes, many hijinks. <laughs> I was just talking, it's funny, I was just talking to my son the other day about how um, we were talking about relationships, and specifically his and mine, um, in that we, he and I tend to butt heads, and once, once uh, I guess I, you know, we all butt heads, but... 
when he and I butt heads and things calm down and we, we talk about it, it's always that sense of um, like when I tell him why I am upset, he's just like, no, that's what you're doing to me. And it's that the similar, you know, the similar thing that we do with each other drives each other nuts. And, and I said, you know, um, any relationship you're in, when you find that you are upset about something that, that you see within yourself, it's really hard to correct. And I started telling him about the first time I learned that was with, with Mike. And I remember how you and I started out just, I mean, you were like the straight lace crew cut <laughs> cop. I was, you know, a year had just been a year in art school. I mean, two totally different dynamics and, uh, and how it, it really took a lot for our relationship to, we went through a lot. I remember, and I remember there was a day when I was just like, wait, the things that, you know, whatever you were upset about, I was like, that's what I get upset about. How's this? I'm not doing that. He's doing, I mean, I had the exact same conversation <laughs> with myself, but no, that's a, that was a huge, um, huge jump for me. Um, just an understanding relationships was, was realizing that, you know, what we want to do, what we're both committed to is, was important. And that means we had to you know, you know, figure this thing out and just, just knowing that that uh, that we were kind of coming at it from the same angle, and and I don't know, it just made it important enough to me to to stop doing what I was doing because I saw exactly how it felt um, when I thought that you. Were. Anyway, I don't know if any of that makes sense, but just know that that year was instrumental in, in understanding a lot of those things, and you know, it was just neat to me that I could go back to my son now and go, let me tell you how I know about this. <laughs> well, um, I know a little. bit. I know a lot of your background, but um, you had spent a summer doing the internship with the Book of Mormon Foundation, and then also you knew that you were going to be spending a year doing the youth missionary course. So tell me about your life leading up to that. You'd gone to art school. What had what kind of change had taken place, or where were you at? Where were you at, really, in your walk at that time? <laughs> I was born of goodly parents. Is that how Nephi says it? That's that's very stately way to say it, yeah. <laughs> I, Adam, was born of... Um, yeah, I had been, I had spent a year in Chicago, um, kind of my, I was in art school and, you know, it, it was kind of my one year of, of, of being away from it, being on my own and um, probably the, I mean, I don't want to say it was a wild year or anything like that, but it was probably the farthest I had kind of wandered and I didn't wander long and I always had, um, I know I always I've always had a sense because of you know my parents and just the the things that were instilled in us and the experiences we were encouraged to go after um always had a sense that the Lord was was ever present and um but that one year you know that was that was kind of it was it was good in a, in a lot of ways and it was rough in a lot of ways but anyway um the summer doing that so I spent the summer yeah at the internship and then and, you went into the Youth Missionary Corps, right. which was going to be the next year of your life. Right. And that, that's when they, they came in. Uh, they said they were looking for people to do this program. I guess, was that the second year? They had already had a year. Of, second or third, yeah. Yeah, they'd already had a couple of teams that had been out in previous years. And they were. And that was the first I heard about it. And, boy, I didn't have to think about it long. I mean, I just, mm-hmm. after being in the internship that summer and kind of getting a taste of, um, you know, the service that we provided at different times, I really wanted to... Um, to go back in there and um, spend spend that time. So yeah, I signed up, and I still remember the night we met you and at one of the meetings. And it was such a bizarre. It's like of all the people that I knew that could have been involved, that could have signed up and done it. People that I knew well. Here's this stranger from Ohio, and it was just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, it was, it was 
it is an odd thing, isn't it? When you, you come together and you're like, you two are going to be in a car and you're going to spend a lot mm-hmm. of time, to, not a lot of time, you're going to spend your entire time for the next year uh, going out and telling people about Jesus. So yeah. hopefully well, you all get along. Yeah. Do you remember, do you remember the rule book that they had that was like kind of pieced together from like part of what the Mormons do, part of what, I don't know where it all came from. But I remember one of the things is like, you and your companion should never be more than, I don't know if it was like 20 feet apart. You're like, well, who determined 20 feet apart? Oh my gosh. But there were so many of those, right. those rules that, and I was such a rule follower that I just remember thinking, oh man, we're, and we were in close proximity. I mean, for a year it was, it was, yeah. Um, but it was great. So tell me the overall big picture, what in that, in that year of the, um, of the youth missionary corps traveling around, what, um, what are some things you felt, you know, going on during that time? Uh, how did your relationship with, with Jesus, with myself, community, the church, how did that, uh, how did you see things? How did that develop? Well, I think I spent most of the time, especially early off, and I, I, it's funny because I'm, I'm doing it even right now, but uh, there's this sense of like having to really make sure that I put my best self out there and I really, you know, do the best I can. And, and so I think f- what the, the danger that that, the danger of that kind of mindset is that it takes your eyes off Christ, you mm-hmm. know, when you're constantly looking inward and, and gauging whether or not I did something good enough. And that was, you know, that probably took a good half of the time to really weed that out and get to where I stopped, um, I stopped thinking about that first and was able to um, was able to be able to sit back and go, you know, the Lord's doing enough here and there's enough, you know, he's inspiring people enough. He's leading people enough. And he's, you know, that I don't have to be the one to, to uh, be the impetus of those, those kinds of activities and those kinds of events. Um, and, the, and the funny thing is, is I, I don't even know that I, was getting that full understanding at that time, because that's still something that I've, I've struggled with. Um, and if this is like an eight hour podcast, we'll probably get to that. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that uh, just coming to a place and, and seeing how uh, the beginning of, of, of seeing how important people are to the Lord. And I still remember when our, you know, when we lived in Iowa and we had the, a roommate, um, we, we moved in on this, this poor guy's house. Um, that he was renting and the owner had let us uh, have a room in there and he was okay with it and everything. But I remember um, how we spent what, four months in that house mm-hmm. and he, he was a farmer. He was up at four thirty in the morning, which is something I didn't know people did until we moved to <laughs> Iowa, but he was, yeah. he was up at four thirty in the morning and he worked till well after dark. And a lot of times he didn't get home because um, we were there during planting season and he didn't get home till, till late. And you know, spending four months in this guy's house, and I think we had dinner with him one time, and right. barely, barely ever saw him, barely ever talked with him, and it was always in passing. And it was when we went out to California that he, he came out and just had this kind of, I don't know. I still just remember sitting there and just he flew out to visit us. Yeah, he flew out to visit we us yeah. while we were in California, and I still remember when we took him to the beach and how he just sat there and drank it all in because he had never even been out of. Right, Iowa hadn't been on an airplane, you know, and so he was having this this experience, and and while the three of us were just kind of buddying around, you know, we went down to, <laughs> we took him to Tijuana, and um, 
I mean, not not as a destination. It just has me drove. <laughs> That's where we ended up. Right. Um, but uh, San Diego, you know, we went to all those places, and and you know, just just being in proximity with each other, just sharing that time with each other. He started taking, um, started taking the Lord seriously, and I don't know. I just remember watching him. And it wasn't because of anything I was doing, you know. Yeah. And I remember that was a real turning point um, when he he started making uh, you know, decisions to to want to be committed and um, you know as a follower of Jesus and things like that. And that I don't know that to me it it took me out of of being a you know I don't know. Sometimes we I think maybe maybe other people don't do this, but. I realize that I'm only aware of what I'm aware of. And if something doesn't happen within my purview, within my, my, my range of seeing it happening, I don't really, you know, you're not aware of it. And so, so when you're a missionary, you're a minister and you always want to be on and you always want to be serving and you, you, you count your success by, um, you know, how many baptisms or, or whatever. Um, it's hard sometimes to be aware of or to realize that the Lord is still working well without, you know, outside of the things that I see or the things that I affect. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. And seeing that happen with 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 this young man, um, do you remember when we were on the beach with him? And he he wouldn't. You and I were splashing around and trying out boogie boards. Oh, it was a very else. fair skinned person in the middle of January, <laughs> the only one on the beach jumping in the water, yeah. going. Ah. Yeah, all the all the locals were walking by in their fleece, full sweatsuits, <laughs> and we're out there in our swim trunks in the ocean. But he just sat there and he was so appreciative and so in awe and wonder and just nature, just creation was mm. doing that for him. And that was, that began this communion that he was having with the Lord. And it was like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't really need to be here for that. But because of relationship, because of, um, and now I realize that it's because God values love so much himself that you know he makes us because he values relationship and he is so kind and giving and sharing that he opens that up to us and he's like hey experience this you know and we get to you know right. make, make friends and have these relationships that be, because he's so generous and so kind he allowed me to be a part of it in in having that relationship and what was cool was no matter how much i wanted to interfere <laughs> you know yeah. he was he was still able to to let it happen so you know, that's just kind of one, that's one thing that pops in mind of, of, and that's, that's one of the, probably one of the most amazing things in my life. One of the most rewarding was that relationship with him. Um, I interject myself a little bit into to this story specifically, just cause you and I have shared so much, but yeah, that was, that was something he, uh, I felt like that was one time in my life where the Lord almost just put something in my lap and like, I had to do so very little. And he said, here, experience the joy of watching someone's life change mm -hmm. because of who I am. And then we didn't know it at the time, but we were lucky enough to then go back to Iowa later that year, which was during a season where he wasn't as busy with the crops. And we spent many evenings talking with him. Mm -hmm. And I still remember the day I got the call and he said, I want you to come down and baptize me. And oh my gosh, what a, yep. I think I that really hooked me at the time to... Um, to want to share the gospel with other people. That was, that was something. Yeah. You know, I also remember in California, cause we really, I mean, that was a struggle. Just, I think coming from a Midwest mentality out to the coast and being in this most, this place that was so beautiful to me, 
I mean, I love the water and I think I could really easily be a beach bum, <laughs> but just the, the traffic and the smog, I mean, there's so many other elements of it that really just kind of wigged me out. And, uh, but I remember one night we were at, um, was it Laguna beach? Um, and the lady with the two sons that we helped out with, she, they took us there Yeah, and we were, I just remember just feeling kind of like, man, it is so crowded here and I'm not a big crowd person. And you just had every walk of life, every, you know, you had like the, the Hare Krishna people and you had nuns and you had, you had drug dealers and you had, <laughs> you know, I'm sure there were, um, I don't know, <laughs> you know, other people doing shady things and, um, just all walks of life. And I just felt like crowded. I felt like, Oh, you know, you guys are ruining my view here. And, um, at that, uh, at, at, right around sunset, I remember it was the first time I'd really stopped to watch the sunset over the ocean. And I don't know what it is visually about uh, looking out at the horizon line. You, you look at the ocean and the horizon line is just a straight line, you know, and and watching the sun. There's something about that visually where you could literally see the sun lowering. Where, you know, here where we have trees and hills and everything else in the way, it's hard to gauge you know, the sun actually moving and just all of a sudden it's it's all the way down. But... But I remember just being in awe that we could watch this giant orange ball just slowly lower down into the ocean. And and when I looked around, I saw that every single person, all the walks of life had all stopped their activities and were we were all sitting on the stone wall together. And there's a row of us. I mean, you couldn't even see the end of it. All the whole crowd had stopped to watch um, to watch the sunset. And I was I was so taken back when I realized that, you know, I had spent the whole day complaining about all these people, and yet the thing that impressed me so much was that that God got their intention. And they may not have known it. I mean, I'm certain that most of those people probably weren't sitting there going, oh, thank you, Lord, for the sunset, but he got them, you know? And I know that that burns something in them, and that those will be memories that those people have, and you know, that'll be a time that he can take them back to, um, but uh, just being so impressed that that he didn't need uh, he didn't need my help, but he was gracious enough to let me be a part part of that work, and uh, so that was you know again those those moments like that where uh, boy I, you know now that you've opened up that that can I can I could probably talk all all day about the little things that um, really impressed me about that that year, but they were they were little things like that just kept building one on another and. Um, you know, that I'll, moment, God had everybody's attention. Yeah. Well, and, and even, you know, I remember several times where, like, there was a day, I think it was a day, it was probably that day that, that, that we were there with him, or maybe it was when your parents came, I can't remember, but we went to the beach again, and um, I remember that day is when I realized that, you know, I was walking along the, the where the, the water comes and hits the sand, and it's all foamy, and I felt all these sharp, you know, ping, ping against my my bare feet and I looked down and realized that the shells were, were washing in and, and things like that. And, um, there's this really weird sensation. It's like when I stopped and realized that all that stuff was coming in and that, you know, you're like, Oh yeah, people have shells and people keep sand dollars and people, you know, these are things people collect. And so all of a sudden I wanted to, to find, you know, an uh, intact sand dollar or find a really cool shell. And so I would just stand there and wait. And as I waited, 
every time the water came in and, and went back out, I could feel the sand under my feet leave and I would sink, you know, just just a fraction you know, but of an inch or whatever, but I would sink. And the longer I stayed there, the deeper my feet got into the sand because it was just it was just washing away. And um, if I moved and walked across the beach as the tide came in, not only did I find more treasures, you know, keep moving, but I didn't have that sensation of sinking. And I mean, it was months later where we were, you know, we were somewhere landlocked, somewhere in the Midwest, and I was preparing for a sermon or teaching a class or something. And I was, for some reason, that came to my mind as I was preparing. And, um, you know, you always try to be in the attitude of prayer and preparation. And, and you start praying and thinking and just realizing that you're in a moment where God's trying to show you something. And it wasn't about you realizing that that moment, even though it was so great to walk along the beach and have that experience, that he was saying, okay, now this is what, this is what this is. This is about, this is about um, always moving, never settling, and you know, always striving for the, for the the treasure. And uh, I, it, just so many of those little things that I still, um, I still use in classes or sermons or things like that. That, um, that things that just happened that he turns and then uses them to impact me. Um, with a spiritual lesson, you know, mm-hmm. things that run so much more deep, deeply and are so much more important, so much more valuable than, I mean, I don't have any of those seashells anymore, you know, but I still remember that sinking feeling and I still, and there's times in my life now that I can point to and realize that I felt like I was sinking. I felt like I was getting stuck and it was because I, I, I quit going after the prize. I quit seeking the treasure and I just became obsessed with the fact that I was stuck. Mm. So, so it, it just... The, the lesson multiplies, you know, sure. and, and at one point you think, oh, that happened. So then I could understand this, this issue more deeply Then I could teach it. And then, you know, more time goes along and you go, oh, but it also happened because I was going to get stuck mm. and I was going to start sinking and he was going to need to remind me, hey, go for the treasure. Remember, remember the beach? Mm-hmm. It has an application. And so anyway, so, so we, <clears throat> I remember, I remember you sharing that. That was, uh, I remember that. Vividly, actually, when you did share that, what the Lord had shared with you. So we, so people have an idea. We traveled around for a year. We went to different communities. Sometimes we were in a place for three months. Sometimes we were in a place for a weekend. And we never knew when we pulled in if we were going to be teaching or preaching or working with the youth. But anyway, so the great thing was we had a whole entire year to... um, to study the word and and to not have to deal with the jobs in the world and just to spend our time with people sharing the love of Jesus and and then we both found ourselves in Independence, Missouri and we were actually both bought houses and we were living within blocks of each other and um, and then life happens and you're no longer free to spend 24 hours a day in the word and sharing with people but you got to go out and earn a living by the sweat of your brow we got we have Adam to thank for that, not Adam Gard, but Adam at the <laughs> Adam and Eve, right? <laughs> Cast out of the garden to earn their living by the sweat of their brow. So you got married, you had some children. Mm-hmm. I got married. Um, my wife ended up leaving and uh, went through a dark, dark time. And I know you've been through some dark times. Um, but recently, and you can share as much or as little as you want about that, but I know recently, uh, you've shared some testimonies about the love of God and um, 
I think I under, of course our understanding grows year by year. We think we have things figured out sometimes, at least I do, and then realize I don't. But tell me about life after after the YMC, after that year, and as much or as little as you want to go into detail. Um, boy, got married uh, to a woman that I met actually on you know, while we were on the mission. Um, we had five children. Um, yeah, just, uh, trying to, trying to work, trying to, you know, just be, be dad and, and, and do all the things that, uh, you know, you have to do. Um, there's this one, there's this one time and I honestly can't even put a finger on the date, but I know, I know where I was and I was driving, um, uh, I was driving on 23rd street in independence and, I don't know what the what the problem had been or what it was that I was so upset about. Um, but I was praying and, you know, I don't know if I had lost a job or, or, you know, but there was something I was particularly upset about. And I was praying and, you know, just wrestling with. I mean, now I look back and I realize what it was, is that you're treating the Lord like like triple A, you know, just really wrestling with. Yeah, well, I've got this emergency now, and I need your help. And let's, mm-hmm. and yet, anytime I, I, I enter into a season of prayer, you know, even if I start with that mode of, of thinking, he always is so gracious to to kind of you know, string me along. You're like, and and and, you know, to get me to to think and to to have that conversation. And and I realized at the end of that um, that that the only thing that I could, the only thing that I could ask for, um, was for him to, was, was for him to take my life and to, to, to fashion it in such a way that, um, that the things that were going to keep me from, from the kingdom would blow away in that, you know, the things that I needed that he would, you know, he would provide and, and that I just needed to commit to the kingdom of God and whatever that looked like, um, whatever that process looked like, I, I, I committed to him and I said, I'm going to trust you with this and I'm just not going to worry about, you know, the, the, the details so much. And of course, I'm sure I immediately began worrying about the details, but that experience has, I've gone back to that so many times where, um, again, I'm in that like triple A situation, you know, I'm, I'm in a bad spot and I need help. And he realized that I haven't talked to him in a while and I've, I haven't been a great guy and I haven't done all these things. And yet I still have a sense of when something like that pops up, you pray. And, uh, and the times when I've really had to go back and wrestle with him and, and, you know, there's things I just haven't understood. And his either reminded me of the time I gave him that permission, you know, take my life and just, please, I just want to get to you. I just want to, you know, I want to bring my family to you. I want you know all of these goals that are really the pure goals of my life. Um, he he reminds me of that conversation that we had, and and either I can trust him that even if I don't understand what's happening in the moment, that he's he is willing and able to 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 get me to where he wants me to be, or sometimes it's been just a flat out, yeah, I took this from you because you asked me to, and. Yeah, sometimes that's that's pretty alarming, um, but he has been faithful to that moment. And there's been so many, 
so many instances, especially with with kids, where um, again, you know, it's like when I was talking about you know the experience in the ocean. There's been so many times with my children over the years um, where I will try to teach them something, or we're engaged in a conversation, or just an activity of any kind. There've been so many times where he has used the children to um, to show me things and teach me lessons and and to encourage me. Um, that that moment in the car that you just said that that's that's very significant. I want to make sure that we all got that you because of things going on in your life, um, you got to a point where instead of using God as a vending machine, you know, God give me this, God give me that, mm-hmm. will you please bless me in this way? I'm sure because of His strength, but uh, you were able to say to Him, "Take whatever it is." It's not going to get me into your kingdom. Just let it blow yeah. away. And just I'm willing to go through or to take or to accept whatever it is. But I I just need to trust you to give me what I need to be in the kingdom. That's a place that and that's one of the reasons why I asked you here today. Not just because we're friends, because I know we've talked long and hard about these things. That is an amazing thing that every believer has to get to. Adam. And that's that's an amazing testimony. And I know you've. <laughs> You've been well, through the ringer, but <laughs> yeah, and that you know the thing is, is that I'm sure whatever the 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 emergency was at the time, right, was nothing compared to other stuff that I ended up having to go through, um, and and that's not to say that in that moment I changed. Like I said, I I mean I still you know the neural pathways in my brain that have you know, carved out that habit of sure of forgetting the Lord and forgetting to um, be the guy I am or the, that I should be, forgetting to treat people the right way, you know, all of those things that we're supposed to do. And I want everybody to think that I am, um, they're all still, still there and still present. And I still, I still struggle. So that's not to say that just because I had that experience that he hasn't had to, um, remind me over and over, but when I am willing, when I am humbled either by circumstances or, or by taking the time to, to really acknowledge, um, you know, how small I am in, in the grand scheme of things and, and, um, you know, that, that broken heart and contrite spirit attitude, um, you know, whatever the situation is, you know, it's, it's, it always comes back to that moment of, remember, we had this conversation and you asked me to do this and I'm being faithful to you. Mm. And um, it's not, in fact, I can't think of any time it's been easy. And, um, you know, I'll tell you one other experience along those lines. And I don't know how long you want to. That's, we got an edit button. It's got fine. anybody okay? If I don't find it worthy, uh, I'll just cut it out. <laughs> My grandmother was born in 1921. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, in a boy, my oldest child, she's she's gonna be 21 this year, but when she was just a toddler, uh, there was one particular day when we, um, uh, I was at work, I worked at a, a little stained glass studio here in Independence, and um, my wife calls and says, she's crying, just sobbing. And I can't even understand. I'm like, man, what's going on? What's wrong? And, and she says, uh, I finally get out of her that, that Zoe, you know, our daughter, um, they were at Kmart of all places. And you guys remember Kmart, um, <laughs> but there was this Kmart and, and then she was there and shopping for something. Zoe gotten sick, a little two year old Zoe gotten sick and just, I don't know how crass we want to be, but you know, she vomited everywhere and it was just, I guess, an amazing sight. <laughs> and she said, nobody stopped to help her. And she was just, you know, she's a new mom and she's just kind of, kind of 
frantic and and her baby's sick and you know she's she was just really upset and was really struggling and having a hard time and so um she calls me up and is just kind of talking and, and I said well, you know what lunch break's coming up I'll just drive home and have lunch with you guys and you know help you out whatever and um get in the car and it's probably I don't even think it was a 10 minute drive from where I worked to, to where we lived at the time. And, um, as I was driving, I began praying for Zoe and just, you know, I absolutely in love with this kid. I mean, this kid means, means everything to me. And, and I, I had been sick a couple of days prior. I had been really sick. And I started thinking about how painful everything I had endured had been, um, and I started worrying that my little two-year-old was going to have to go through that. And so I'd start praying. I was like, Lord, you know, don't, don't make Zoe go through that sickness. Don't make her hurt. Don't make, you know, please. And I, I, I don't know how I worded it or whatever, but my, my, my hope was that this child that meant more to me than anything in the world wouldn't have to suffer. And I, I kid you not. And I don't know who all is listening, but I know this sounds sounds insane and I don't I don't throw these kinds of things out there haphazardly. And when I talk about and you might hear me say um and, and the Lord said this or or whatever like you know if if I if I talk in that vernacular I'm going to confess that most of the time when people say that I roll my eyes and I'm like did you really say that? <laughs> and so so I totally deserve everybody to go did God really say that? Yeah. Um and what and what what is happening when I say that is that Something has entered into my my mind, my heart, however you want to word it, um, my consciousness. Um, when I'm when I'm asking questions or when I'm in a in a in an attitude of prayer, that's something that is completely unique and um, something that I I never thought of. And and the thing is 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 I can say that to anybody. Anybody can doubt me, and that's fine. But I know, and these are the moments that I always go back to because I know that that's something completely new and an un created by me entered my mind and was able, you know, I was able to have a conversation with that, um, with the Lord in that, that way by these, you know, these answers that I was receiving, this understanding that I was receiving. So I'm driving home down Lee Summit road and I cross, um, there's a, an intersection at 23rd street and there's four lanes of traffic. It's two, you know, two way traffic, two lanes each, each way. So if you can imagine just a normal American inner city intersection or not inner city, but, um, city intersection, uh, four lanes. As I, as I, I have a green light, as I approach the, the beginning of the intersection. So imagine if you're going what, 35 miles an hour, how quickly are you going to cross those four lanes of traffic? I mean, mm-hmm. that's like nanoseconds, right? That's pretty, you're right there. But as I approach that, I'm praying for Zoe. And, you know, of course, when you're, you're doing that driving and everything else is secondary. And I said, you know, I'm praying for I'm praying for her to feel better. I'm praying for her to, and and all of a sudden, I'm just this question enters my my heart, and the question is, what if I, what if I take her, what if I decide to you know, take her from you, and she dies, and I, I completely and everything that I'm about to say transpired over the amount of, you know, the, how long it takes to cross four lanes of traffic. So 
I know it just sounds crazy, but it was like time stopped because I had I went through all of this in those that that nanosecond of 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 time. But I'm presented this question: like, what if what if your daughter dies? And I, the thing is, is like within my heart, I mean, everything just went black. Everything went dark, and all of a sudden, it was a reality that I was living in this world that that I had actually lost my child. And I, I say this very carefully and very, very aware of the fact that there are people out there who have lost children. And I don't mean to, to be insensitive. And certainly it's a mystery to, to all of us, you know, why, why some children um, die and why some parents have to go through that and, and others don't. And so I say this with all sensitivity and, and not trying to um, equate what I went through with somebody who's actually gone through this. But in that moment, in that that space of time, it was the reality that I was living with was that my child had died, and I was I was as sure that I was going to come home and find out that Zoe had passed away as I was of anything, and my heart was just ripped. I mean, I could not breathe. I could not. I was sobbing. I was crying. It was the weirdest um, weirdest thing I'd ever gone through, and yet. The question was, you know, what if she dies? What are you going to do then? And, and I knew that wherever that question came from, which, you know, I believe it was, it was the Lord, that he's waiting for an answer. And I, I weighed out every, again, the time takes to cross four lanes of traffic. I weighed out every possible, I was full of hate. I was full of anger. I was full of rage. How could you do this? Who do you think you are? Why would you, I mean, I went through and processed every possible negative response. And what felt like days, I, I finally came to this conclusion and I was breathing hard and panting and out of breath. And I finally just, I just said, Lord, after processing all of these possibilities, the only one that bore any fruit was I'll still seek first the kingdom of God. I will hurt, I will suffer. I will, you know, I'll do all this, but I will still put you first. I'll still seek first the kingdom of God. And I said those words out loud through the tears and, you know, the snot and, you know, all the, all the emotion. And immediately it was like the light came back on and I was driving across traffic again. And he says, the same voice says, you know, good answer, because that is the only way that, your love for Zoe has any any value. And all of a sudden, you know, again, it's just one of those moments where you're like, I was content to just really love my daughter and really enjoy being a dad. But all of a sudden you realize that all of our relationships, all of these things have such a, a bigger implication. And um, it really put me on a track to, to realize that through every struggle, every trial, and, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't very long after that that um, my oldest son ended up in the hospital with a brain bleed and you know was very close to death, and I was put through that trial in real you know in in real life and had to right. had to trust it and that's a whole nother a whole nother testimony but just time after time after time um, through those years, um, the Lord just always reminding me that. To, to put the kingdom first. And in doing that, you 
you you're beginning to see the value that that creation has that that relationship has all of these things have and you begin to see the bigger picture that he's invited you into because we've talked about this before that's that's very deep he says that's the only way that your love for your daughter has any value Mm -hmm. and without having the kingdom of god first in our heart and our lives um everything gets out of balance or everything is is can be skewed to a selfish love or a or uh, makes me feel better about myself, love, or it's what gets me through the day to tomorrow type love. Yeah. But when you put the kingdom of God first, that's when true value takes place. That's that's amazing lesson. So how did that happen in you know a second as you cross four lanes of traffic? Right. Unless I mean, that, it was <laughs> that was an eternal conversation that took place. Right. Um, in moments, but um, and I, I really want to be clear because I know that different religious cultures and different, you know, even people without um, a religious background might not, you know, that might be listening, might not, might hear what I'm saying as, as hard and um, as those, you know, there's, there's this religious tradition that says, you know, there's something more important to your kids. And while that is what I'm saying, I want them to understand that, that within the purview of the kingdom of God, the blessing is eternal. It's ongoing in that there's a way of looking at your love for your children, the love for your spouse, the love for friends, the love for strangers, the love for enemies, um, and realizing that, that that opens up so much more for everybody. I mean, the blessing. So it's not like God is up there going, ha, 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 I'm going to put my thumb on you and you're going to suffer and you better love me more. <laughs> He's saying, no, no, no. You know, it's like if, uh, you know, if you were, you know, as a parent, you know, my kids are little, there's nothing greater than giving your kid a gift, right? You know, birthdays, and I'm horrible about like Christmas time. Oh my gosh, it is so hard. Even though they're all still teenagers, it is still so hard for me not to get every little thing, you know, and want them mm-hmm. just to, because I, I just love giving gifts and I love seeing them open them. And, and but, you know, imagine, imagine that you, you're like, uh, I don't know, some guy who owns Toys R Us. Those aren't even open anymore. Are there toy stores anymore? I don't even know. But you have a toy store, and it's full of all of the toys, you know, the most magnificent toy creations of all time. And and you, you call your child, and you say, I've got something to show you. And you stand outside the door getting ready to open the door, and they see, like, one toy in the parking lot. It's a beat-up, grungy toy. And they pick it up, and it's been, like, in the puddle with cigarette butts or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> and they pick it up, and, and they're content. And they're like, thanks for the toy, Dad. And they turn around and run off, and you're like, no, 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 wait, 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 come here, come here, because you, know, you want, you have all of this that you want to show them, and I don't know if you're like me, when I was a kid going to like, we had Children's Palace here, or KB Toy, I mean, that was just like a wonderland, you know, so that's, I guess that's why my mind jumped to that, that illustration, right. but, but that's where the Lord is standing, he's, because, because, you know, I'm tempted to go, but this is my baby, and this is the, my child, and, and this is my experience in my life, and, and that's, that's all the farther I can see, and he's saying, no, 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 if you put the kingdom first, there's so much more to this. And that is why there's a greater value to putting the kingdom first. That is why um, he calls us. It's all because he wants to bless. It's all because he wants to enrich. Mm-hmm. He wants you know, an abundant life with us. And so that's why the invitation goes out. And it, it's a real struggle you know, in, in the world today when um, you know, Christianity is, is criticized for like that kind of 
stringent rule following because I understand why all the rules are there and I understand why he gave commandments, but most of the people look at it as right. uh, extreme contradiction and it's not. It's, you know, first of all, he says, you know, the, you know when they ask Jesus, you know, the greatest commandment, he's just like, yeah, you got to love God and then you got to love your neighbor as yourself. And, and so I tend to think when, whenever Jesus or anybody after that was saying, you know, keep the commandments, he was talking about the love commandment. Right. And, you know, Paul even goes on to say that, you know, basically if, um, you know, if you love, what, what do you need? You know, if I love you, I'm not going to rob, I'm not going to murder you. I'm not going to, you know what I'm saying? Well, that's a good segue into what, um, what I find really amazing in more recent testimony. So, so Zoe is now how old? She's 21. She's 21. Oh, 21 in November. I'm sorry. So share with me, fast forward. Mm-hmm. You're talking about love and, and if you don't put the kingdom first, you know, the value. Share with me the the, um, the season you entered into where um, the Lord showed you what it's all about. I guess. I don't know another way to sum it up. There's nothing <laughs> That's more That's exactly what he said. He said that? No. Um, <laughs> well, it started with a... A camp you or a retreat you went to. You were in a prayer yeah. circle. Well, I'll, I'll bump it back just a little bit um, before that and just kind of explain that. Um, and I'm, I'm going to say some things, and this is all me personally. And this isn't, this isn't, you know, for anybody who might be listening, this isn't, um, I, I mean, nobody any ill will or any offense whatsoever. But um, I had kind of entered in for years, had been in this, this kind of locked up state where. There's this real, um, real tendency that we have, at least within our religious tradition. I'm not sure um, if other denominations struggle with this as much, but um, especially since we don't have, like, we're all lay ministry, so you know, we're all. They're not paying you. Yeah. (laughs) I got this pink slip. I didn't understand the money for years. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, um, but anyway, uh, I just kind of slipped into this tradition of. I mean, I knew I knew scripture better than I ever had in my life. I I was preaching more. I was you know doing the home visits and and was was very active, and yet was suffering under this idea that if I understood enough, if I did enough, if I was right enough, and if I could convince enough people that I was right, that you know the kingdom would come all the faster, and you know all these things, and was really um, kind of a skewed right. skewed vision and. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm afraid that when this podcast is over, that people are going to listen and go, Adam said, um, 18 times. Right? Yeah. Well, listen, this is a place to be first and foremost, this is a place to be vulnerable and, and maybe talk about things that you don't do in church. And that's, that's up to you. How well, but I, I think as you, as you speak and share that, um, I just said, um, to make you feel better, but <laughs> people, people realize that we're not all so different. And that's, that's one of my goals of this is that, we share some things, yeah, in a little deeper level. Well, that's, so. that's a good goal. I'll quit. I'll quit interrupting myself. Um, oh, there we go. Now I'm counting them. <laughs> well, I'll just make a tally over here. <laughs> Forty-eight. So 49. we were, we were on a trip with this uh, the school club. My my kids go to this the school that I love, uh, Center Place Restoration School here in independence and part of the part of the, the thing that i love about it is they have this extracurricular club called the zion's ambassadors for christ zac club z-a-c 
And Zoe, when she first started um, going there in sixth grade, she joined the club. And you'll have to have Zoe on sometime because she is just a, I mean, she's a ball of energy uh, when it comes to the Lord. And she has always been that way. And even as a, as a, a little kid. Oh, yeah. She's amazing. It's She's on my list. Zoe, if you're listening, <laughs> get ready. But uh, she was in sixth grade. She was part of the club. And um, this was one of the first... Yeah, I honestly can't remember. It was early on because she was she was part of the club all the way through her senior year. She ended up being president of the club and everything. Uh, we were up in the, the object of the club is for the kids to go out and they they perform service for a weekend at a, another you know, a branch that might mm-hmm. be you know in the fall. I think the trips are a couple hours away. And in the spring, you know, we, right. we we would take much longer trips. And this particular trip was up in uh, North Platte, Nebraska, and. I always enjoyed, always, always, always enjoy these trips. And it's been a blessing, huge blessing to be able to be a chaperone. And with five kids, you know, I've been able to to be part part of it for right. for several years uninterrupted. At this particular trip was you know, right when I was at that point of really struggling with, you know, we we claim all this truth, we claim all these fruits, but they're not really there, you know. Um, how many times have we you know, gone to the Lord as a congregation, you know, with questions, and we have all these desires, and there's all these things we want to do. We want to build the kingdom. We want to, you know, restore order. We want to all these things. And every time that we got these answers, and sometimes in miraculous ways, the Lord always said, you don't have charity. And that was a real struggle for me because I was just locked in this loop of we're just going to do the same thing over and over again. We're just going to keep studying harder and we're going to keep teaching more. We're going to keep, you know, having these, we're going to keep asking the Lord questions. And it's just like, he's just going to keep saying, you don't have charity. So that's kind of where I was. But as much as I was struggling with all of that, there was a special kind of peace and joy that came with um, being with the kids and just kind of getting back to a simple, simple Mm -hmm. service, you know, and we would go do, we'd visit nursing homes and the kids would sing and then we'd mingle with the people or we would, um, sometimes it's helping with chores or just whatever we can do. And then the weekend ends with you know, putting on a service at whatever the host congregation is. At this particular trip, um, a good friend of mine was also, actually a couple of good friends were actually um, chaperones also. And the first night... Um, this one particular friend um, had the we each each adult each chaperone has the devotions. That's the word I'm looking for. Has the devotions in the evening, and the first night of devotions is all about how God's love is fixed and immovable, and how you know if we love like God's love, then our love doesn't change and it's not fickle. and And it was a real. It was kind of like a oh that's that's what love is. You know, it's kind of neat. And then the second night, completely un. Uh, unconnected or unrehearsed the next chaperone spoke about how he had heard this challenge uh, from an older minister to take 30 days to fast and pray about love about charity what charity the pure love of christ what it was and then he said i want to do this exercise with you kids and we probably had 20 kids that ranged from you know sixth grade through you know, junior high through you know seniors in high school we had the full range of 12 to, to 18 and he's like what we're going to do and we're all sitting in the circle is we're going to go one one by one and we're going to 
um, you're going to turn to the person on your left and you're going to say, I love you because I was like, what? Because I'm like, how are you going to, you expect these junior high boys to, to man up enough to, you know, uh, I'm just like, this is no way this is going to take forever. And we're all going to stare awkwardly at the one kid who can't think of what to say. You know, and, grab some popcorn. Yeah. And, enjoy the show. And, and the thing was, and this is, I think a credit to this, to the school and the, the uh, environment that they allow and also to the, the parents, but um, it was just really neat to see how comfortable these kids were with what happened. But one by one, I was amazed. Those kids were like, I love you because, and it wasn't like, because you have great hair or, you know, it wasn't <laughs> things like that. It was, it was, I love you because you remember that one time when I was sad and you, you said this to me and, or I love you because, um, you know, every time you pray, it really, I was just like, kids are saying this. And then, and then it gets to me and I'm the one stuck going, because you know, I'm just totally overwhelmed by what's happening. And I, I somehow pull it off and, you know, the whole exercise continues and ends and it was a great night. Well, we came home uh, on a Sunday and for some reason, you know, with, when you have five kids, it's very rare that you're alone with just one, you know, that just doesn't happen very often. But for some reason, um, Zoe and I had come home and, and for some reason she and I were having dinner together without everybody else. And I honestly don't remember why and we're sitting at the Arby's on, uh, I guess it's okay to plug Arby's mm-hmm. on a 24 highway. It's, and It's closed now anyway. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And uh, we're just sitting there eating and uh, she says, she says, you know, that exercise we did where we told everybody why we loved them. And I said, yeah. And she says, well, I really liked that, but the only the only thing I didn't like was that we only got to say I love you to one person. And I was like, kid, you are in junior high. How are you thinking these thoughts, you uh-huh. know? And and she's like, I want to do the exercise with everybody in the room. I'm like, okay. And she's just looking at me with that look like I'm supposed to be getting it, you know? And I'm like, wait, right now? She's like, yeah. I was like, you want to go around the circle in our minds and say why we love everybody? She's like, yeah, yeah, you go first. Like okay, of course, and uh, <laughs> you know I I start, and it was pretty easy to remember for oddly enough where everybody was sitting, and I was like I love you because and I love you because and and I didn't get three or four kids in and all of a sudden I just broke down and I'm like you know I'm like trying to you know chew up my beef and cheddar or whatever and and, and crying and, and you know sniffing and and all you know all the emotion and I'm trying to swallow my food and and. And it was just this overwhelming experience. And I just felt like the Lord was extending the invitation. And so when I got through, I just said, I'm going to take Jay, the, the man who, who invited us, um, take him up on his 30 day challenge, the 30 day challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And so I started right then and, and, and total disclaimer, and there's going to be a lot of, I've heard a lot of discussions about fasting and I have my own opinions about it. I mean, that's that's for another day. But I didn't, I wasn't like hardcore Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days. Um, I I skipped breakfast and lunch. And I replaced those those meal times with um, prayer and, and study. Sure. And so um, during the day, I would drive to a little park by my work and I'd get out my books and and the thing was, I was still coming, approaching this from an attitude of like just frustration. And and I'll be completely candid and open. I mean, there's so many times when I have been 
nearly convinced to doubt just about everything. Sure. And uh, <laughs> um, God knows the the amount of times that that I've 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 had to to fight through and struggle and make things make sense in my mind. And anyway, so I'm I'm coming from a place of just kind of struggling and really wanting to to be done. Really wanting to just be able to say. None of this makes sense. People don't make sense. I just kind of want to be done. And but I, I had committed, so I was going to stick with it. Thirty days. And as I'm sitting there every day, and I'm reading and rereading, and I looked up all the scriptures on charity. You know, I did the word study, and I did all the things that I had always done if I was preparing to teach or something like that. And it was I was just getting nowhere. Mm-hmm. I was just really struggling and really just getting even more frustrated that the answers weren't coming. And, you know, there's this one verse in Moroni where he talks about charity and he says, you know, to get this, to pray with all the energy of your heart. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. And I'm at one point, I'm like, I'm praying. I'm, I don't know. Am I supposed to grunt? How, how do you pray with all this energy? I didn't know. And I tried everything and I felt really silly. And yet I was, went back to it every day, every day, every morning, every afternoon. And probably about halfway through, I was at prayer service one Wednesday night and you know, when people stand up and they say, well, the spirit wanted me to stand up and I could hardly, you know, I couldn't stay seated if I wanted to. And, right, and right. you know, and I'm, I'm a cynic. I was like, no, you just want to talk. But that night it actually happened to me, you know, where, where the Lord you know, was, was like, there was a burning that took place inside of me that I knew I had to stand up and share and I had no idea what. And so that logical conversation is going on in my mind. Like, I don't, what am I going to say? And yet, I stood up because I had to stand up. So my apologies for doubting any of you who have ever said that. But um, in that service, I began to expound and explain the pure love of Christ, its importance, its value, why we need it. The fact that it's not about us. It's not about us receiving um, some power. And that's really how I looked at it. Like, well, I had, you know, scripture study down. I had prayer down. You know, like all these checklist items, a grocery mm-hmm. list of things that I needed to accomplish or, or or achieve or collect. And I really had pictured that that God was going to give me some like new mutant ability to to love. And and yet it was all about the fact that in the scriptures even said that John was like first John four nineteen, I think it's towards the end of the chapter, he says that we love because he first loved us. And that's what it was all about that was it and it was it was him showing me and see i'm teaching this having not yet comprehended the message i'm hearing the message coming from my own mouth and i'm responding to you're learning message. as you're talking i'm learning as i'm talking and and again that's that's something that right i can't ask anybody to you just have to take that on faith but i'll go to go to my grave knowing that's what happened and and i began to expound on on the idea that 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 God that we love because God first loved us and he poured out into me that night and and for the weeks to follow and just to say you know that the impact that that night had on me <laughs> I was so overcome that like after dinner or after church we went out to dinner and I mean we walked in the restaurant and I was just like I, I've got to find people to talk to and you know I grabbed the like the first person we see was somebody that worked there and I just I grabbed her shoulders as this um, older woman and you know I knew her it wasn't like I was accosting a stranger or anything and I just said do you know how much God loves you 
<laughs> and she looks at me like kind of skunk eyed. She's like, well, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> She's like, let me go back to her. Okay, okay. And but I was just so excited. I had to, which was a, a big switch for me. I, sure. I'm not that kind of couldn't contain it. Yeah. So for the weeks to come, the you know I couldn't wait to get to the park and to sit down and read, and just this awareness and this understanding that 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 God loved me. God valued me that he wanted me to understand how he felt about me. And it was just this, the gushiest, mushiest, sweetest um, time of my life. I was just sitting there and, and spending time with him and just feeling how he felt about me. And that sounds, it may sound too simple for some of us you know, intellectuals, but I'm telling you that I sat there and basked in, and understanding that God celebrated me. I was a holiday to him. I was I was so valuable and and understanding, you know, the intensity of of all that he had done um in saving me and dying for me. All of these things that we we talk about but really you know, they don't they don't always amount to the much more than just historical facts or or you know these are our points of our religion and our beliefs, but now I was I was feeling it and I was understanding it. And, um, and I think the, the story you're, you're wanting to hear again is the, you know, in this, in this period of, of these two weeks of just really basking in this almost continuously was um, anywhere that I would go, I would be caught up. And, and, the, and the cool thing was is, and this goes back to what we were saying earlier about putting the kingdom first is that when I, when when I had that first experience and realized that it wasn't me receiving a power, it was God revealing to me how He loves me. All of a sudden, I realized, well, wait a minute, God's not a respecter of persons, and that means He loves every every human being mm-hmm. like He loves me. All of a sudden, I knew exactly how He felt about everybody, and their value just went sky. Their value went sky high, and yeah. you know, well, I'll get I'll get to that later. Um, but you know, this one particular instance. I went into um, a gas station nearby where I worked and I think I was getting something to drink because I'm a super hardcore faster. And uh, I, uh, I was standing there by where the, you know, the soda fountain was or whatever. And I, I turned around, I guess kind of at the back of the store and I turned around and I looked over and I saw all these people in there and all of a sudden I was completely overcome with just this intense, I felt that love again. Only I was completely aware of how he felt that for everybody there. And I was, I was so, I was so impressed by this. I couldn't speak. I couldn't hardly breathe. You know, it was just so overwhelming. And I looked out over all these people and I just, I was just so happy, so happy to, to know um, how God loved them. And as I walked towards the counter, this woman walks in and, um, not to be anything more than just descriptive, but she was a very short woman, but also almost a, a square-shaped person. Um, and I only say that to 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 explain how large her shirt was, but she was wearing this shirt that almost went down past her knee, just about past her knees. And it was this black shirt, and from top to bottom, it had, um, in fluorescent yellow, so imagine the contrast, you know, how that fluorescent yellow stood out on the black, 
But fluorescent yellow letters, in large, large letters, it was a walking billboard. It said, I don't, I mean, I would love to be able to say what it said, but I don't want to get you your first E rating. Um, <laughs> but it, it had, you know, the most vulgar four letter word in our, you know, in, in, in English, you know, the one that gets the R rating and everything. Um, I want to be sensitive to the tender hearted that might be listening. But if you guys can imagine that word for just a second, it had that word and then Jesus. You know, and and the only reason I wanted to say it is because I want you guys to get the impact of of what I felt. You know, just the shudder and the horror and the uh, you know, I just felt so gross. And immediately the the love and the compassion I've been feeling just went away. And I was just like, I said, I was like, what do you think about that, Lord? You know, look at that, <laughs> I challenge you to love. You know, and boy. He said to me, there's going to come a time when that woman needs to cry out to me and the adversary is going to remind her that she wore that shirt. She needs to know that I don't care. And I (laughs) just about dropped everything I was holding. And I mean, again, it was like, I mean, just seconds ago, I had been standing there looking over God's creation and, and marveling at how much he loved it. And and if you would have asked me right then, I would have said, "Yeah, I know everything now. I know everything. About, I know I've arrived. I've arrived. I've know all there is to know." And, and yet, and he took you up another notch. Seconds later, he was just like, "Yeah, even this person that you despise, I want so badly." And so I I paid for my stuff and I went out in the parking lot and I was like, "I got to find her." And I just got to say that. All right, there's going to be a time. I'm not going to preach to you, but there's going to be a time when you need to cry out to the Lord and you need to know that it's okay. You can. You can. No matter what, he wants you to. And I couldn't find her. She was gone. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't even know. I mean, it was just it was so weird. So that was a whole, just a whole nother. And so then, you know, so then I'm at, and this is, this is how I am. I think probably how most of us are. I was like, uh, okay, I've arrived. I know what, you know, it's just like, uh. um, but then another day at the same gas station, I was walking out and there was this woman that approached me and she was, you know, asking for money and she was filthy had you know the you know the dirt was in the you know, caked in the cracks of her her skin and her wrinkles and her hair was yellow and she smelled just awful and um you know I'm not a I'm a, I have a super sniffer. I'm a very sensitive smeller. <laughs> so she sent off. She sent off your sniffing radar. She, she yeah. She sent off my sniffing radar, and so I I started to make the wide the wide uh, circle around her, and she she mumbled something to me, and so I had to step in closer and said, "I'm sorry, what?" And you know, the whole time I'm having that internal struggle of like, and and. Uh, and that's, and I admit that's, I mean, I'm confessing that's, that's a horrible way to think, but you know, in all honesty, that's where I was. And, you know, even after having all of this go on, sure. you know, I still had that natural response and she, she asked me if I had any money and I reached my pocket and I didn't have any, I mean, I just had a debit card and I said, well, I'm sorry, I don't. And I, I walked closer to my van and I realized, I remember for some weird reason, I had a $5 bill stuffed in the little change thing. I said, oh, wait, wait, wait. And so I reached in and I grabbed it and um, I handed it to her. And she said, thank you. And I probably said, God bless her, you know, something like that. I don't remember what I said. I got in the car and I was so, I just felt really good. 
Like, mm-hmm. oh, I did it. I helped her. I was, you know, I, I talked to her. I got close to her and all this stuff. I put the key in the ignition and I look up and she's standing right in front of the, my van. And I look up and this man in a business suit that I will probably never be able to afford or want to wear, if we're being honest, but a really nice clothes, right? Silk tie, the whole whatever. She approaches him and I'm just watching whatever and and she approaches him asks him for money he reaches in his wallet he hands her more money than i gave puts his wallet back in and then he opens his arms and he steps towards her and just embraces her Mm. puts his hand on the back of her head and she just melts pulls her pulls her in and he just holds her there against his nice clothes you know and and breathing all that in and i was completely convicted Mm -hmm. again there's another level there's more See, this is this is I think what I mean by when you put the kingdom first. I mean, it's not just about how Adam feels; it's about now. You know, this can pour out to to those around you. Mm-hmm. So that that became a you know, probably the one life changing thing I can say in my life that really switched how um, how I look at just about everything. And you know, the hard part about that is, you know, I'm very much. And I'm I'm 43 years old, and I'm just now, in the last couple of years, been really learning this lesson. But I'm very much a person who, um, you know, I want to accomplish. Something. Like you, you, you paint the house. You want to paint the house. I don't want to ever paint the house again, right? But the, the you know, it's going to chip and peel, and you're going to have to do that. But I'm very much like, I already painted the house. I don't want to paint the house. You know, I've done it. I want it to be over and accomplished. And and yet the gospel isn't that way. You know, being a human isn't that way, and so I've I've really struggled over the years with with having to revisit things and having to um, you know, keep learning different lessons. And you know, it's very easy and very tempting to to say, "Well, I learned all about the pure love of Christ and how important it is," and and that's that. Um, unfortunately, that was just the you know, it's like Nephi talks about you know entering in by the gate. You know, that was just the Right. That was the baptism, so to speak. That but was the, the welcome in. Is there anything else? So in your mind though, is that is there anything else more important than that in the in the in being a Christian, out of everything we all of the rules and everything we learn in Sunday school and everything, what's the most important thing you've learned? What did that show you? That that was that's the pinnacle of everything I've ever understood. And everything Hangs on that, right? Everything Jesus, hangs all on of that. This is all of the law and the prophets hang on yeah. this. If you, to love one another. He gave us a commandment. Exactly. Love as I have loved you. Exactly. And, and I think the thing that, you know, like I said before, that I was kind of at a place where I was like, I'm pretty much done with this, you know, either this denomination or this religion or, or whatever. But I, I just wanted to be done because it wasn't bearing fruit. It wasn't showing. But I kept going back to these scriptures. You know, there's, and Paul says it in Corinthians and Roni says it in, um, the seventh chapter of his book, they both say, without love, you're nothing. And that really intrigued me because um, whether you're, you know, whether you go to a church where it's hellfire and brimstone or whether it's like completely, you know, we, we look, we overlook everybody's sins and we don't really care. You know, there's just two extremes. Um, you don't very often hear that there's this condition where God looks down and says, I'm sorry, but you're nothing. And that startles me. It still startles me today. And, you know, there's a account in Matthew where Jesus says, there's going to be people who come to me and say, Lord, Lord, in your name, we, you know, they list the, the litany of things they did in his name. We cast out demons. We did all this stuff. And, you know, if you expand on that and, 
you add to that list anything that you think that you did that was important in his name, you know. And for us, it was be Lord, Lord. And, you know, I, I grew up in Restoration Branch. I was baptized when I was eight. I was ordained twice. You know, I, I preached. I taught. I, you know, I did all these things. Um, I was in the right branch. I was in the right denomination. I was, you know. And there's all these things that we hold up and we teach and we spout off and we, um, you know, just that that's what the fruit proves of our, our life is that these are the important things. And I realized then that, you know, when Jesus response is that, but I'll, I'll say to them, depart, you never knew me. And that's where it all, that's where it all hangs is. And, and the thing is, is when Moroni talks about charity and he says that, uh, that without it you're nothing, and he says that 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 this is the mark of the it's, it's bestowed upon all the true followers of Christ. That if you're a true follower of Christ, you you possess this pure love, and so it's very easy to come to the conclusion that that if you're not possessed by this true love, this pure love, that you're not a you're not a true follower. And I I'll be the first one to you know I can start the the fake followers of Jesus Anonymous Club, I guess, but. You know, I spend most of my time not being possessed of that true love. And yet the the way to it is so simple. It's pray. And I've come to understand that, you know, with all the energy of your heart is it's with your life. Right. It's it's with all that you have, because your heart beats and you live. And everything that you do, you are constantly aware and pray for that love. And the thing, you know, as much as I've struggled and you know, the conflict that I have, you know, I'll just say it is that you know, even after that experience, I still, you know, um, I still got divorced. You know, my marriage fell apart and I had, you know, I still had struggles. I still, bad things still happened. I still made mistakes. Um, and I still was challenged to, you know, there's betrayal and, you know, all these horrible things. And I was challenged. I had to love. And that was the one thing that this, this, this testimony did for me was, being able to fall back on realizing that even the people who hurt me most, I still know how God feels for them. And so the challenge then becomes, do I, do I lash out? Do I rail against them? Do I gossip? Do I slander? Do I, you know, do I build up my own little team? Do I, you know what I'm saying? And these are all things that we tend to do. Or do I, I pray for them or do what, you know, and, and that's hard. And I mean, confess it. It's just hard when we go through those kinds of things. Um, Is there any, there's nothing more important in the church than, than that. Yeah. And, and one, of the, one of the really cool things that happened was, and it was probably the scariest thing, was I had been a part of congregations that had, you know, how we always divide over things that we call doctrine or, you know, we have this belief, we have this, you know, special understanding. And um, I had been part of you know, these groups that had done this and I had been actively engaged, you know, in, and kind of, you know, hammering away with the word of God. And, um, once I had this experience where you know, the Lord revealed to me how powerful his love was and how necessary it was, all of a sudden I was so aware of like, Oh, there weren't any, you know, the lack of fruit wasn't because this is false. The lack of fruit is because we weren't planting trees. You know, we weren't, we weren't doing things that bear fruit. Or I guess we were, but the fruit was rotten. You know, the fruit wasn't good. And and I say this, and again, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody. You know, that might have been with me in that part of my life. And I think this is more about how I was responding to certain things inside in my heart 
And that's not to say that other people weren't very sincere and weren't, yeah. uh, you know, doing good things. And there were still, you know, that's the thing about the Lord is he's still gracious, even mm-hmm. in the midst of our, our serious um, errors, um, even in his name, he's still gracious in the times that we're sincere and the times that we, we humble ourselves and he still blesses us. But he's shown me time and time again, how often, um, how often we, we take something that he gives us and then we build up our own thing on top of it. We stop, you know, we stop at some point we stop asking, okay, what, what now Lord? And what do we do now? And he wants to, to lead us line upon line, precept upon precept. But instead we go, Oh, thanks. Bye. And we take it in the corner right. and, you know, destroy it. And so even this great, even this great, uh, testimony, this great experience you have with the Lord, um, easy. And, and we've, we've discussed this, not you and I, you and I, not me and others. Once it's just so hard for the Lord to bless somebody without us feeling like we become the chosen person yeah. or the chosen group of people because, oh, the Lord's worked with me. He showed me this mighty thing. I must have arrived where I need to arrive. And right. he's like, I want to bless you. Like you said, there is there is no ending with the Lord. There is no ending. Yeah. But this, inviting you on here, though, this, this, this testimony that you shared with me, I think that the church, if we could focus on this more as ministers and as people that unless we... Unless we learn how to have this supernatural love from our Savior, we really are nothing, and we can do nothing, and we can uh, not help the world to any great extent, and yet we we get diverted so easily. And of course, what better thing for the adversary than for us to take our eyes off of that? But right, and that's you know, that's not to say that I mean there's organizations and foundations that do and churches that do tremendous work. Sure, as far as you know, we can count it, you know, as, as far as we can measure it, you know, and, and uh, you can always see a church who's given more money or who has done more missionary work or who has, you know, and you can say, wow, they really, and I don't, I don't mean to disparage anybody's sincerity or the things that they're doing, but if you hear me today and you say, yeah, I understand what you're saying. And this was a problem I really struggled with was that when I would share this testimony, the amount of people that would be like, well, of course we need the love of God. Where's the, you know, they wanted the meat. They wanted the, um, you know, they wanted to hear the sermon that really exposed the new understanding or whatever. And there were people who would get so discouraged, not discouraged, but so um, critical because, well, yeah, yeah, we know that. And my challenge to anybody listening is like, if you think you understand what I'm saying because you speak English, then don't stop there. And so it has to be that I extend an invitation to you. The same one that was extended to me that you spend that time in fasting and prayer and you, you know, com- confess and 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 let your heart be broken and your spirit contrite. Humble yourself and and ask the Lord for that yeah. that experience. And the neat thing is, is that as I've shared this and preached this at different times, I've had people come up to me and go, um, "It's almost like this 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 little club. Not not that it's exclusive by any means, but there are times when somebody will come up to me or I'll hear somebody share something, and I realize like they they got it. They got it. They something has happened to them in their life, and so you know, now we have this look of. <laughs> but but the neat thing is is I, I see those people sharing the same encouragement because they realize how this has to happen. And you know, I really struggled because I began to understand Jesus in a way that I never had before. And yet, you know, that wasn't how I I wasn't seeing that in church and, and in different areas of my life. It's not not something that you can it's something that we know with our mind, but it's something that we have to have revealed to us by the spirit. And it's, yep. it's also, I believe a great word picture played out in the scriptures when it says he put forth his hand and partook of this white fruit. that was, 
white above white, pure above pure, yeah. sweet above sweet. It was the love of God. Yeah. It was the love of God shown abroad in the hearts of men. And when people partake of it, like in Lehi's instance, the first thing he did was look around and I want everybody to come and partake of it. Yeah. And that when that happens, and, and yes, there are churches doing good, there are people doing good, but when God's kingdom is established on the earth, uh, for all the world to see it, for all the world to come onto, it'll be by a group of people that have partaken of that fruit. Yep. And we can do little good things along the way, but in, in, in by and large, there has to be a group of people who partake of that fruit and know God. And not yep. just that, but once it happens, every person in that kingdom will have partaken of that fruit. I, I believe so. And you know, the, the struggle I had was like, well, you know, how come I don't see this? Well, how do I, how do we get this? Mm-hmm. And we was really made aware that you know, there would be a time when a lot of broken people would finally come before the Lord, having prepared themselves to to understand that he would bless bless us with that outpouring. And then I got so excited of thinking about, you know, I, th- I always think of Waldo, probably because that's where we have all of our big, right. our big you know, gatherings. But I got so excited about thinking about sitting in there next to my enemies. Uh-huh. And next to, and I mean, not like I'm James Bond or anybody and people are out to get me, but you know, just the people that I have, yeah. you know, butted heads with. And no longer enemies. And no longer enemies, but you know, you think of, think of the person who you struggle with the most at mm-hmm. church or maybe, you know, the person who's on the opposite side of a split or something like that, that, that really just rubbed you the wrong way. And imagine sitting there and having an experience where the Lord shows you how much as he loves you and you are so overwhelmed that you look to that person and you realize, oh. That's how he feels about you. I don't have to carry the burden of thinking you're wrong anymore because the only thing that's important is that God's right. And I want to live within that. And so I love you, brother. And at that moment, you can also rest assured that that brother's having the same experience. Same experience. And so that you don't have to worry about any. Yeah. I don't have to explain to him Mm -hmm. the depths of the scriptures and why, you know what I'm saying? It's important that we know the scriptures and we have to teach the word. But there's that that responsibility that has to be there where we... You know, we put that the value of that human in its, in its proper place. And the cool thing that happened that I was terrified of, I think I was beginning to talk about this, was um, as I started thinking about the implications on the church as a whole of an experience like that, um, the Lord started bringing to mind all of these people who I had split with, all of these people who I had fought with in priesthood meetings, all these people who I had you know, really acted un, ungodly towards, all in the name of, you know, you know, Jesus, I, I stood up for you at the priesthood meeting when this guy said something wrong. Jesus, I, you know, right. really, really prideful. And, and then he's like, you need to go to them and you need to repent. And I was like, oh, man, <laughs> I know you're right, but I'm trying to think, I'm trying to pretend of all the reasons why you might be wrong. I don't know, I'm making this up. <laughs> but I would pray about who do I go to. And one by one, I was given a name. And Mike, it was the most incredible experience to knock on doors and have people open them up and totally like, what are you doing here? And I just can just confess I was wrong and I'm sorry. And this is what happened to me. And I just want you to know that I love you. And I would love to be, you know, have our brotherhood restored. And one by one, well, come on. I mean, just embraced and loved. Mm. And I can honestly say that those people are, you know, they're, they're brothers and sisters again. And brother, that is, that is the work of the Lord. That is, that is the, the little we met with a man, a tax collector that gave him the money back and then some, mm. That's that's how I know that that's the spirit of the Lord working because you didn't care about 
Your pride wasn't there. You just wanted to restore that relationship. There is no spirit of this world to lead you to do that other than the spirit of Christ. Yeah, well, that's what I, that's yeah. what I believe. But it was uh, yeah, very, very instrumental um, in bringing a lot of good relationships back. And, um, and, and since then, I've been so glad that I did that just because of the relationships that have gone on you know, with those people um, since those times. But um, it was... It was, it was certainly a, an instrumental uh, change in my life. And I still, um, you know, I still wonder, I still struggle with why hasn't the call gone out? Why haven't we had you know, the opportunity to sit together and have mm-hmm. that, that changing experience? And I have to trust that, that he's, you know, he's got everybody else in his hands as much as he has me and, and that he's going to make it happen. And I have to be faithful even if I don't ever see that day, I have to be faithful and I have to live in the, in the kingdom as it is now and, and do everything to seek it and promote it. And, um, and, you know, the cool thing is, is, you know, I remember, uh, it was right after, right after my wife had left and I was just in the throes of despair. Like I'd never been in my life. And, um, I knew that I had to, I knew that I had to pray, you know, for them, for the situation, for all the, everything involved. And I was driving to work one morning and it was just a really beautiful morning. And I'm, I'm a big nature geek. And, um, you know, as an artist, I, I always appreciate, you know, the sunrises, sunsets, things like that, that are just, I'm just always gobsmacked by you know, the beauty and the uniqueness of each one. And um, this particular day I was driving and I, I was really blessed just to be able to get caught up in worship and just acknowledge that, that that God's made this beautiful place, and someday the earth is going to be whole, and it's going to be even better. And I was just kind of going on and and uh, being allowed to to worship and acknowledge Him in that way, and to thank Him for all of these, you know, the birds, and not just a bird, but all the birds, and not just a flower, but all the flowers. And you know, this was, was really important to me in that particular day, and I was really um, caught up in that kind of uh, prayer, and. I got to work and I'm still just kind of sailing on that, that, that sensation. And, um, you know, where I work, it's this huge complex and you pass tons of people throughout the day. And as I was walking to uh, my desk, it, it happened again. Every soul that I passed was, I just was overcome and it was, he was reminding me and he was saying, and you, even in my darkest hour, he was saying, but these, these are what I think is beautiful. And that's, that's what is so crazy to me is that, you know, he has the ability, you know, it says in, in Psalms that he breathes stars, right? And he has, he has that ability to create all of this beauty from the, the, the biggest, you know, gas cloud in, in space that the Hubble telescope takes a picture of and we all go, whoa, or, um, you know, the tiniest detail, you know, microscopic detail on a butterfly wing or whatever. Yeah. Ice crystal. Yeah. Ice crystal. Yeah. I mean, from in that scale, he's made all of that. And yet he looks at us and goes, you are what I live for. You are what you are. My work and my glory is to bring you back to me. And yes. so as I passed all of these people, you're caught up in this, this attitude of worship and, and, and praise. And he was just like, thanks. But, you know, you know, just remember, this is the beautiful part. This is, this is where it's at. And every person that I passed, it was just more overwhelming. You just kind of ramped it up. And 
I, I got to my desk and I started working and I couldn't contain it. It was just so overwhelming. And so I just started crying. I started sobbing at my desk and I was just like, ah, I'm such a pansy, you know? And so I got up and I went to the bathroom and I just sat in there just like, <laughs> you know, and I was, you know, blowing my nose and trying to you know, make it look like my eyes weren't, weren't red. And maybe I should have not have been ashamed and just, you know, stood up on my desk and told everybody probably what I should have done. But. Well, brother, I, I appreciate you coming on today. Um, and being vulnerable and, and also sharing, sharing the love of sharing your testimony about the love. And I hope it resonates with uh, people who listen and that, um, we might be encouraged to take that time in our own life to, to seek God out and say, reveal this to me. I, it's not enough for me to read about it and to say, I know about it in the scriptures, reveal it to me with your spirit so that I can be changed and know how you feel about, about others and about myself, because I guarantee you, just like with you, uh, when that revelation comes, the the only thing we can do is find someone else to tell about it, and that's really where the gospel, where the rubber meets the road. Yeah, so. it will it will give everything value. Give it will make it make it mean something that you never thought it meant. So, well, I appreciate you coming on and being a part of of this and sharing your story. You are a saint, whether you feel it or not. I know you. <laughs> I know you know the Lord loves you. And this is Stories of the Saints, and you are unique. Your experience, though, that you've had with the Lord is to be shared with all of us, just like all of our experiences are. So um, I pray this will be a blessing, Adam. I, I really appreciate you doing this. Well, I thank you so much for having me. And, uh, man, I sure love you. So thank you for, for doing this for everybody. And just everybody out there, just the invitation is so important. The Lord's just waiting for you, and he will, he will do it. Till next time, God bless. This is outtake number one. Jesus wants okra. Jesus gets okra. Go ahead, Adam. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you enjoy this so much. Um, there was a, just, just a time when I was driving and a man... This is through the whole charity thing, the love of yeah, God. Yeah, this is brothers. through the whole experience. And a man jumps out from behind a tree frantic waving me down um i pull over you know and i i go i was like what's wrong are you okay what's wrong he's like yeah can i get a ride <laughs> i was like ah and so you know i was like a block from home and you know i just left an, a body in an alley <laughs> yeah can i get a ride so i was like yeah sure where do you need to go and he's like i need to go to um and he couldn't remember the name of the hotel he couldn't remember the name of the street it was on and so you know it's just you're like well what am I really committing to here? And, but I, you know, I say, okay, yeah, let's, let's go. And as reluctant as I am to always enter into those situations, I'm always glad I did. And I immediately kind of, you know, uh, they, they win me over and we start talking and I start thinking and praying about how I can impact them. And, um, but the, this, this, the idea that, you know, when Jesus says you've done unto the least of these, you've done it unto me, um, had been really, something I've been thinking a lot about and, and especially in the, in the view of um, how he loves everybody. And I, you know, again, I knew he loved this man. The man says, my name, uh, he was, he was nice and, and implied and, um, but he didn't know the address. He didn't know the name of the hotel. <laughs> and so he's like, well, I can, I can get you there. Let's just go. And, and uh, he takes me down, down a street that ended up being like a way, way wrong way so anyway we, we were kind of topsy-turvy all around and 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 he said something about being hungry and i was like well let's get you some dinner you know and he goes no no that's okay that's okay i'm like 
like Don, if you're hungry, let's you know, let's get you some dinner. And he's just like, well, okay. He's like, what do you feel like? He's like, get any fried chicken around? I was like, yeah, we got fried chicken. And take him down to the fried chicken joint, and we're in the drive-through. And I said, like, oh, what do you what do you want? What do you want? And he says, I can I have some? Is this guy some some chicken? So yeah, get some chicken. How much? You want the four pieces? You know what a six piece? Oh, I'll have the oh, four pieces. Fine, four pieces. Fine. Okay. Uh, what, what sides do you want? Um, I'll have a uh, you know, baked potato or mashed potatoes and a biscuit. Okay. Oh, oh, oh! I also want okra. And and up to that, I guess I should backtrack. I had told you know, when he was thank you so much. I was like, well, you know, I really believe that when we do things for Jesus, you know, we we do it for other people. So. Jesus has done so much for me. It's the least I can do is to, you know, give you a ride. And and I had been talking about all this and explaining all this to him. So at this point, I'm just jazzed because I'm I'm excited. I've shared with somebody, you know, that something that was really awkward for me, and I I kind of broke that barrier. And so he says, uh, "Well, I also want okra. Could I could I get some okra?" And I say, "Well, Jesus wants okra. He's getting okra." <laughs> and he just he just looked at me weird. And for some reason, that opened up the weirdest like floodgate for me. And Everything he said after that, I referred, I was like, well, if Jesus wants a ride to the hotel, Jesus is and, <laughs> and so I I was so excited. And I was off in this little, you know, Adam's little bubble where I was just really uh, reveling in that um, experience. And we finally got to the hotel. It was actually over in Kansas City somewhere. You know, we had driven quite a ways. And, and uh, I was just nonstop, just bubbly and talking and sharing and everything like that. And... Uh, I had said the whole, well, Jesus wants, then Jesus gets things so many times. By the time we got to the hotel, he goes, he goes, it's here. You can drop me off. And I was like, well, I can pull into the parking lot. That's why he's like, no, really, it's okay. Let me out. I looked at him and I just knew in that moment, it's like, he thinks I think he's actually Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) So so somehow in really trying to do a good thing, I think I made him really uncomfortable and I felt really bad, but. And he, he hasn't, uh, he hasn't asked for a ride since. (laughs) He hasn't come back. (laughs) No, I don't know. Anyway.